Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Nice Streetcast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends over at Blue Wire and the Rotoviz Radio Network. I am your host, Nathan Powell, and I am joined by my lovely co-host, Dan. But I have to say, the by the time you're listening to this, the free agency tampering window is in the books, Dan. So by the time sure. you're li- by the time you're listening to this, teams can sign players. Uh, I, I saw team Twitter accounts complaining that Schefter can tweet out uh, news, but the teams can't tweet out news until Wednesday. But by the time you're listening to this, it will be Wednesday or Thursday, and teams will be t- tweeting out their signings. So I think the goal is is Nathan and I are going to tamper as much as humanly possible tonight to make sure that it's all about our systems, and then we have official news come Wednesday slash Thursday whenever this pod hits your ears. But we're going to talk about all the important ones that have happened and some of the important ones that haven't happened yet. For sure. Mostly ones that have and maybe sprinkle in some, some haven'ts. Um, and, but we will start off with the – we'll basically be, go, be going in dynasty sequential order. So by the end of the podcast, you'll want to turn it off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> first, we have one Corey Davis, the biggest fish to fall in the dynasty atmosphere so far in the offseason, signing with the New York Jets, possibly a new quarterback in New York with Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or Deshaun Watson. So Corey Davis is kind of going to situation unknown that he's probably the wide receiver one there and he's probably going to have a new quarterback. So what are your thoughts on Davis immediately? My knee jerk reaction was, oh, like there, there are worse spots, but it wasn't like my dream Corey Davis landing spot. So essentially the way I've looked at the New York Jets as a landing spot for the last who knows how many years, anyone that's going to get money there is hopefully, and and we hope this with like Le'Veon Bell, is going to see volume. Whether it's good good volume, bad volume, whatever it is, volume, we're, we're chasing targets, right? For wide receivers, we're chasing targets. The potential volume here is is pretty great. I mean, he signed a good enough contract that makes me believe they're going to try to focus him in the offense. It's not going to be a well. He's just another guy for us. He's a he's our Denzel Mims or he's uh, another Jamison Crowder, whatever whatever guy you want to throw in to the mix. I, I think Corey Davis is going to be their short term alpha. Obviously, they would probably like to add someone to that receiving core. Still don't really know what Denzel Mims is. But for someone like Corey Davis, who we saw kind of have a similar year to his sophomore season this year, I want to say it's kind of like a a secondary breakout type season. In 2018, he was essentially the guy that we saw this year. He had a little bit more volume, was a little less efficient but still hasn't been a big yak guy, not a huge touchdown guy, but that offense thrives on the run. So we haven't really seen Corey Davis in a pass happy or pass friendly team on an offense. So this one, it it could be good. I guess it depends on a who's the quarterback and B what other pieces do they fill in around him? Now, if it's, it's Justin Fields throwing him the ball, I'm ecstatic. If it's Deshaun Watson throwing him the ball, I'm ecstatic. If they go the Zach Wilson route or even something weird like Trey Lance, whatever other player they could add, and then maybe they bring in a running back in the second, I would 
I would feel okay about it, but if they can bring in Watson or Fields, I think that's an instant upgrade for Corey Davis. Even though he doesn't have A.J. Brown on the other side of the field to draw number one coverage, he's got an upgrade at quarterback, potentially no matter what happens. We'll see what Sam Darnold does, what happens with him if they have to trade him, but I would assume that early pick is probably going to be a quarterback. Yeah, for sure. And if we're talking about a strict market value type game, Corey Davis is going to probably see a small bump or, you know, maybe even, you know, be about the same today. But when you have a quarterback drafted, like, yes, it's mostly assumed a quarterback's coming, but it happens every time. It's been happening with Chark and Lewis since the Jags secured the 101. When they draft a quarterback at 102, the value of Corey Davis is going to rise a little bit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, and it was a team that didn't throw the ball a ton last year, obviously having Sam Darnold and Joe Flacco as your two quarterback options. You know, it's probably not going to lean on the pass a ton throwing. I think one of the few teams to throw fewer than 500 times on the whole season. So there's, there's a lot of upside to gain as well as volume here. So I, I, a part of me hates it because it's the Jets and historically a place that I've avoided, but it, it could potentially be really cheap wide receiver one volume for someone that's done enough to probably be in the running for like a high end wide receiver three type as far as dynasty valuation goes. So I, I think before I really plant my flag here, I'd like to know who's playing quarterback for the Jets because. Corey Davis isn't QB proof. And if it's Sam Darnold, it, I mean, we could be in a world of hurt. We could, but I think Sam Darnold is the least likely of the outcomes of, you know, I, I think that they're going to agree at the very least invest in a quarterback on day two, but I think I, in all likelihood, there's a quarterback going one Oh two, or they're getting an absolute haul and saying, okay, we're tanking for 2022 trying to get, you know, basically the number one pick. But in that scenario, Davis gets lots of targets, uh, high passing volume. So I, I think that um, we talked a lot about, you know, ceilings and floors with Robinson and guys like that. I think Davis is a high floor here. The ceiling might be capped until they get a better quarterback. Yeah. And he's probably not going to be that 140 target guy that you're seeing you know, a lot of teams having in their alphas. He's probably, his ceiling's probably in that 120 to 125 target range. Feels like that's probably what he's most suitable to get. But, you know, they could go crazy. They're going to be losing essentially every game anyways. If they, if they trend towards being pass happy, we could see 140 targets like we saw with Allen Robinson in those horrid Jacksonville years. And I will say, going back to our range of outcomes app that we talked about a little bit uh, a few weeks ago, we have, uh, I'm looking at Corey Davis's range of outcomes for 2021. His two most likely outcomes are about 14 points per game or 16 to 17 points per game. That is a lot higher than I was expecting. Like we talked about, the range of outcomes app does not account for, you know, the situation, but it does account for how well they've played throughout their career slash in the last two years. And so Davis has played well enough in the last two years that his projections show he could be between a 14 to 17 point, you know, guy this, this upcoming season. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't think that's out of the, out of the realm of possibilities. Um, I'm more worried just about the offense as a whole and what that's going to mean for defenses, essentially focusing him. And uh, let's hit on Mims before we move on to the next thing. 
I was never a huge Mims guy. I think he's a fine flyer, but he was always, he's always been valued higher than a flyer. Like he's being valued basically around that late first, early second range. And I think that might decrease with the Davis signing, but I'm still not a huge Mims guy. So where are you on Mims? Do you think this is a buying opportunity? Do you think he's just a guy? What are your thoughts on him? I think if you believe in the talent, it's obviously a really great time to buy Mims. Uh, for me, he just always kind of seems more like a red zone guy. I, I never was in on all of the hype. I was actually fading him pretty hard when most people were relatively high on him. You know, you could you could get something with, like a you could end up with a, a Mike Evans type where just kind of eternally hated, but has the big playability and the huge red zone upside. I, I don't see that quite with Mims. I guess it's in the realm of outcomes, but for me, he's probably just another another guy. I, I don't see a great player, but he, again, there's plenty of volume potential here. So if you're chasing volume and you're chasing upside, for the price, it's really hard to say there's much better to get into than someone like Denzel Mims. Yeah. And it's going to get cheaper based off of Corey Davis signing for sure. Absolutely. Now let's go on to the new England Patriots. Uh, the, the most active team in the first couple days of free agency, we have the tight ends, Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. We have the re-signing of Cam Newton, which is somewhat a surprise. And then the cavalcade of wide receivers, most notably Nelson Aguilar. So I guess let's start with Newton here. How surprised were you that he resigned? Do you think this is a another one year prove it deal? Do you think there's some long term upside here? I I lean toward there not being. I think that this is you know the Patriots kicking the can down the road, saying like, all right, let's figure out quarterback another year. For now, let's roll Newton. Yeah, I think he's at best a bridge to whatever the future is. I, I think uh, I think Belichick's had enough enough time losing here. He's he's not used to this. And doesn't like it, obviously. So they they pulled out a, a new trick that we haven't seen yet and decided to spend a whole ton of money in free agency, obviously bringing back Cam, who I don't think is dead, but I also don't think we're ever seeing 2015 Cam Newton again. I, I, think, I think we all know that ship has sailed, right? But he's good enough to still patrol an offense. The first couple of weeks before he got COVID, he was at least average and possibly above average. Yeah. Th th there was the Sunday night game against the Seahawks. We're like, are the Patriots one of the best teams in the NFL? <laughs> and, and then after cam got, you know, COVID it was pretty much over. Um, so going to uh, the tight ends, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, everyone was doing their Johnny Smith dance party um, when he signed. And that was quickly deflated by the signing of Hunter Henry. Uh, I, I know it's, you know, cliche to say, I want nothing to do with this team. I want nothing to do with, with this position, it, especially particularly in redraft, but even in dynasty, I have no interest in having these guys on my dynasty team. I'll maybe take a stab on Johnu if everyone is saying, okay, Hunter Henry is on the team. So Johnu's dead. Like I'll take like a free Johnu, but he's not going to be free. He's still gonna be like, okay, well now they're the, the two tight end. It's Aaron Hernandez, Robert Gronkowski. So I'm going to be out on both these guys at their values, which are going to be low end tight end ones. So I've pretty much always been out on Hunter Henry and it may have been a mistake in 2016 slash 2017, where he probably looked like he could be the next big thing post 2018 following the major injury, uh, different guy. I mean, he's fine. He's, he's a whatever tight end, like I guess 
Janu, I think, and for reference, so everyone's aware, so we're not playing any favoritism. New England gave these guys the exact same contract. One got a four-year, one got a three-year. They're both for $12.5 million a year on average. They have the same contract. They don't favor one to the other. But there is some precedent for a two-tight end offense here. We know that. Where does Cam thrive, Nathan, in his passing game? A short passing game. And who, now this could be a stretch, but who in this offense that they recently acquired excels in the short to intermediate passing game? I mean, they both do, but <laughs> I, I, I would say Jonu, I guess. No, they both do. They absolutely both do. I think Jonu is a far superior player to Hunter Henry in 2021. If this was 2017 and we could fast forward, I probably would have said it's Hunter Henry and it's probably not close. I, I'm looking forward to this two tight end personnel because they're going to roll it and they're going to be very good at it. Cam can produce in that range. John who's a playmaker. Hunter Henry's more your Greg Olson type, you know, late career Greg Olson. I feel like I get the same vibes from that. Janu to me is you can plug him in anywhere and he can make those plays. He's special after the catch. And Hunter Henry is just, I mean, he's a solid receiver. He's not going to blow your doors off. He's not going to, you know, shake, shake you down and, and juke you and spin move you, but he's good enough. This offense is going to put up fantasy numbers at the tight end position. Now, how many looks they give to the 17 running backs they'll end up having on the on this you know opening day roster we'll see what cam does on the ground with his legs we'll see but through the air the offense is going to run through these guys i'm standing by that because there's precedent for it yeah i i just i struggle to find where the dynasty value is there i i do think we'll move on to the wide receivers the patriots we'll run through the patriots one by one here i don't hate this for nelson aguilar um, I think that he is a guy who, with volume, can be a okay fantasy asset. We he showed it in Las Vegas last year, and he's going to get the outside of a Nikhil Harry breakout, who has been on the the trade rumor block for the last few days. Outside of Nikhil Harry breakout, Nelson Aguilar is going to get eight to ten targets a game in that Cam Newton offense. Now you might debate. Can Cam Newton pass at 25 yards, which is where you know, most of, <laughs> m- most of Nelson Aguilar's points were on you know on the deep ball last year. So with Aguilar, I, I think I think he's going to be one of those guys who his points are cheaper than they're worth. You know, classic guy where you can trade for him, you can start him, and he's not going to cost you that much. So it's not pretty, but I think that Aguilar could be a nice value in this offense. Yeah, if we're talking strictly on the value front, Aguilar probably has the most upside to price ratio, which probably should be a metric we use in Dynasty upside relative to price. <laughs> if there's some way to to yeah, basically, uh, I I mean every year, I mean every year, every week I, I call talk about a guy who's cheaper than their points. You know, Keenan yeah. Allen, classic cheaper than his points. Um, you know, w- when you find those guys, it's not. It's you talk about having the sexy dynasty roster when you have the cheaper than their points guys, your roster won't be sexy, but they'll be scoring points. Absolutely. So, I mean, what do you think this means for Nikhil Harry, for Jacoby Myers, Demir Bird? I mean, are we 
are we done with the wide receivers in this offense and rotating into the tight ends, or do we think it's not going to be as much the tight ends and we still want a piece of the wide receivers? I no, I, I like I just said I don't want Johnny or Henry, but if I'm like if I'm saying okay, who's going to lead the team in receiving? I'm going to rank it probably Henry Aguilar Johnny. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, I think all the listeners are aware that we hate tight ends. I just don't see how those guys come out of, assuming health across the board, I don't know how they come out of 2021 not being the leading receivers. The tight ends? Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then, as far as the other guys, I was I couldn't think of a name and went with Demir Bird as a buy last week. Um, I, I still think that he's a guy who's cheaper than his points. Nikhil Harry, I'm hoping he gets traded because I don't think that he's going to succeed in a Belichick offense. So, yeah, I mean, and Jacoby Myers, he's just a guy. Um, so, yeah, it, if there's a guy I'm buying in this Patriot offense, it's it's Aguilar, but it, none of it's pretty. Well, I get to continue buying Janu, even though I hate tight ends. I really like Janu, and the Hunter Henry signing has returned his price back to palatable. So I, I can uh, do my favorite thing in the world and buy a tight end. There we go. Let's move on to another team that has been active mostly on late day one, early day two of free agency, and it is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Talked about them earlier. Number one pick, Trevor Lawrence coming in. Some value there. And now we're adding two wide receivers, Marvin Jones and Philip Dorsett. And Urban Meyer signs his one-time college running back, Carlos Hyde. We'll start with Hyde here. Everyone's saying the Hyde signing is great news for James Robinson because that means they're not bringing in real competition for, for James Robinson. I, I wouldn't go that far. And even if they don't, even if it's just James Robinson and Carlos Hyde, Carlos Hyde's going to eat into James Robinson work. No matter how much we hate it as a fantasy Twitter, Hyde's going to get, you know, five to six carries and Robinson will go from 18 carries to like 14. Just it's the, it's the annual, like who's Carlos Hyde going to ruin this year. We've been doing it for what, three years now. I, um, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that James Robinson is the one A there, but uh, again, I mean, no, no, he's not just the one A. He's the one. He's the one. Well, <laughs> the I mean, Carlos Hyde is—he's done this. Yeah, he's thirty-one or whatever he is. But any team he's been to, he's gotten somewhat meaningful carries. He's already been on Jacksonville for what? I think he played what, like six games in Jacksonville in twenty eighteen or something like that. Yeah. So. It's. I, I fear that it's slowly becoming the Jacksonville Buckeyes, but we'll. I guess we'll see what happens. I think. I think Hyde is at thirty-one. Obviously, kind of an irrelevant dynasty asset. Uh, as a James Robinson owner, you'll probably want to have him because that offense has a chance to be really good. I think they'll be okay in the short term, but. If if Trevor Lawrence is what we think he is, that offense has a chance to be special. The one thing I, I think I'm at least a little bit worried about is the continued addition of weapons. And yeah, I mean, you can never have too many weapons, but we've heard the smoke about a DJ Chark move. They bring in J Marvin Jones. Um, they bring in John Ross. No. And that's not a thing? No, John Ross from the Giants. Oh, to the Giants. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't know why I thought John Ross. There was, I thought there was one other... Brissett. I mean, Dorsett. Dorsett. Oh, Dorsett. Yeah, same guy. Um, <laughs> John Ross. <laughs> Dorsett, same guy. 
Um, that to me screams that they were serious about the Chark thing. And the dude on Twitter called out the uh, cons kid or nephew or whoever it was, whatever. It's a weird spot, but they're adding the pieces that make me believe that Shark is expendable to them. Uh, is it possible that LaVisca Chenault is the best wide receiver in the offense with DJ Chark there? I think so. I think the Debbie guys uh, that are around would argue he's one of the better ones in the NFL, obviously with some injury stuff uh, coming into the NFL. Wasn't, wasn't able to do what we thought. Kind of the same thing with Tyler Johnson. Obviously, his whole falling off at the end, not making senior bowl, blah, blah, blah. All of that. Uh, I think there's some upside for Marvin Jones here, assuming there's a DJ Chark move. Without DJ Chark gone, I don't think Marvin Jones matters quite as much. Even though there's all of the connections in the universe, I I don't love it for Marvin Jones. And I'm a huge Marvin Jones fan. Yeah, I don't love him for Jones either. But I like it even less. Even- less for LaVisca. I maybe it's maybe it's the Chark move, but I don't think you go out and sign Marvin Jones and maybe even to a little extent Philip Dorsett if you're like, okay, LaVisca's a bona fide number one. And maybe that's just an off reading, but I think that there might be some doubt as to, you know, his, you know, ability to be a wide receiver one. Um and you don't even and with Chark in the offense, you don't need LaVisca Chanel to be a wide receiver one. But his targets are going to be eaten into with Marvin Jones and Dorsett to an extent at the helm as well. Um, I, I like Dorsett a lot in this offense. I, I think that Dorsett can be a nice piece in a very good offense. He has to be in a top tier offense in order to matter. And the Jaguars aren't that yet, but if Trevor Lawrence is who we think he is, Dorsett might matter quicker than you think. I think uh, to be completely honest, I think Dorsett can fill in the DJ Chark role as, as good as DJ Chark is. I mean, a lot of his stuff is down the field. What does Dorsett do best? I think I think Visca is probably going to end up thriving in that slot role more than being outside expecting 50-50 stuff. But I guess we'll see. I think I think we're probably reading into it too much. And the goal of all of this is just to surround Trevor Lawrence with as much as possible, uh, bring in some good veterans that are going to help young a young core out. You know, Marvin Jones has been a great pro. Carlos Hyde has seen seen it all, been everywhere, done everything. That's really good for a running back room. That's really good for a wide receiver room. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them add some, like, super savvy veteran quarterback, too, just to have there. But uh, it, there's potential for this offense to to absolutely explode. All right. Uh, before we head into our latter half of the show, talking some quarterbacks, let's hear from ourselves over at Rotoviz. Hey, Rotoviz radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. That's right, folks. 
get your promo code RVRADIO2021 for 10% discount. Get all your content and tools. We've been talking about the tools. And if you aren't like, you should be like, if you're not driving, you should be doing the tools when we talk about the tools, pretty much. that That is how you can get the most out of the toolage we're talking about. We talked about the uh, the Green Job Outcomes app a little bit later in regards to Corey Davis. Now let's talk some quarterbacks. Quarterbacks. Um you know, not the best quarterback market, especially with Cam Newton staying with the Patriots. So the the, the quarterback shakeups we have, and we'll go through each one of them, but I'll just say them right now. As of 8.42 p.m. East on March 16th, our quarterback shakeups are Andy Dalton to the Bears, Jacoby Brissett to the Dolphins, and Fitzmagic to the football team. Let's start off with the Bears. The biggest takeaway from Andy Dalton to the Bears is that they're out of the Russell Wilson sweepstakes or that there are no Russell Wilson sweepstakes because <laughs> the Bears have told, you know, Schefter and whatnot that, yeah, the Seahawks said they're not moving them, so we signed Andy Dalton. The Bears having a, a playoff pick aren't exactly in position to pick a quarterback, but signing Andy Dalton basically means they're drafting a quarterback. Yeah, and it could also mean that they end up reaching for one of the second or third tier quarterbacks that they really like right, for like some reason. Trask or Mac Jones, basically. Yeah, Trask feels like that would be a really Bears pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I don't hate the Dalton move. I, I think that he's serviceable. He's better than Trubisky. He's probably better than Foles. Is that really a good thing? Probably not, but we'll see what they do. I, I would guess we're getting probably eight games out of adding Andy Dalton at a minimum. I don't know what that offense really has to offer at this point. So it, it may be just kind of a full avoid area unless you're streaming quarterbacks and you need something cheap. Andy Dalton can be that guy for you probably for at least half of a season. Yeah, for sure. And talking about the market stuff, I think that he's pr the presumed starter for now. And then if they end up taking a Trask or a Mac Jones, then, you know, he loses that. I mean, he'll still have the presumed starter for the early going. Um, but, you know, that's a very, very short leash involving with Andy Dalton. But there is the the one positive, Dan. Uh, Allen Robinson has his best quarterback in his <laughs> career. Best quarterback he's played with since what? Like, uh, who's the kid at BYU? <laughs> Hagenberg <laughs> at BYU. What are you talking about? Or uh, Penn State. Sorry. <laughs> Same colors. Same team. There you go. Um, maybe he'll somehow have Zach Wilson with a trade up. There you go. <laughs> That's, I was just looking at Zach Wilson's page, which is why I said BYU. There we go. Now let's go to Jacoby Brissett. I like this signing a lot. I, I think that Brissett is one of the better backups in the NFL and He's one of the better backups, but I don't th think that, like, he's, I know it's different sitting behind Tua versus sitting behind Rivers, but he sat behind Philip Rivers very quietly. He's like, all right, do what you got to do, Philip. And Fitzpatrick was not a do what you got to do kind of guy. He was like, I want to be starting. I want to be playing at all times. He was mad when they benched him for Tua. I, I think that Brissett is a viable guy to come in if they need in Miami but also isn't going to threaten the job of of Tua. And he's not even the type of guy that, okay, he comes in relief and then he lights the run off. Like, he's not going to get that hot. He is just good enough to be a backup, a guy who you can count on if you have an injury, a guy you can count on if it's absolutely necessary. But he's not like a closer like Fitzpatrick was. What's strange is I think we've had this conversation twice so far on the podcast and the history of the podcast. 
The first time would probably have been 2017 when Jacoby Brissett was a thing. We said, hey, he can be a thing. He can be good. And he played okay. Didn't have a lot of touchdowns, but didn't turn the ball over a lot either. And then we had it again two years later. And if you believe in the uh, the laws of doubles or, or uh, evens or whatever, if it was 2017 that we had the first conversation, and then 2019 we had the second conversation, and it's 2021 now, and we're having a third conversation. Each other time, Jacoby Brissett played at least 15 games. Oh, Nathan, don't tell me that. Nathan? <laughs> no, no, I no, that's that was just a whole lead up for absolutely nothing. I, yeah, I think it's really great for Tua and the Dolphins. Honestly, um, it's not going to be big pressure on Tua. That job is his, but also he's been known to get injured. If he happens to get injured, the Dolphins aren't completely screwed because I think they're actually a good enough team where they can compete still with without Tua. I, I think they can continue to to move the ball down the field if it happens to be reset for a game or two. Yeah, I was talking with a couple of friends of mine, and it's it's not often in a rebuild that the team surpasses the quarterback that they're that is being built around. So the Dolphins are so good as a team that Tua was holding them back in his development. In if he was on the Bengals and like, okay, he's, he's learning on the job. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing, but because the dolphins were good, that kind of negated the good Tua was doing. It was like, Oh, well he's holding back how good that team is. Yeah. He's still in development. I mean, he was never, he was never a polished prospect. We, we saw all of the upside. We saw all of the potential. We saw even a lot of the negatives and we still see some of the negatives in the NFL now with Tua but there's still so much upside that if he can even reach portions of it in the 2021 season, I think this Dolphins team could really surprise a lot of people. And I don't know that they're really going to press the bills for the AFC East, but I think they can start to, that's a, that's one of those games, you know, when teams see them that there's no rollover anymore. It's, it's not what the Dolphins were for the last few years. It's not what the, I mean, it's, they're definitely not the jets. So and yeah. they, they still they still have money to spend. They're they're in the conversations with Juju and Galladay, and they still have the number three overall pick, which they'll presumably use on Panay Sewell or possibly Jamar Chase. If it's Jamar Chase, pants are removed. <laughs> well, another man who makes uh, both men and women take off their pants. <laughs> it is one Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, he went to Harvard, and now he is playing for the Washington football team. He, like, this is a year too late. Like, honestly, I, I will I'll put this out there. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers would not be Super Bowl champions if Ryan Fitzpatrick was on the Washington football team. Huh. Okay. Okay. Because I feel it. everything they had last year was conservative, conservative, conservative. And it killed them. It was like, oh, we don't have to be scared of anything. We have Alex Smith throwing three yards, Taylor Heineke throwing eight yards, Dwayne Haskins <laughs> running backwards. <laughs> now there's something to be scared of with the Washington football team. And you have Terry McLaurin and you have Logan Thomas. I love this move from fantasy. I think that Washington's going to have, I mean, granted, it doesn't take much to compete in the NFC East. I think they're a legitimate contender for that title in 20. I mean, I guess it depends on Dak. Dak probably, if, if Dak is good, the, the Cowboys are probably going to win the title. But what I'm saying is, this is perfect. I think that this is exactly what they needed outside of, you know, a real franchise quarterback. This is a perfect fit. 
Yeah, and anyone screaming Taylor Heineke this, Taylor Heineke that, I mean, the guy signed like a $5 million contract over two years, so not exactly getting starter money. They like the potential. The Vikings like the potential in Taylor Heineke. He sat on their practice squad and then their reserves for the longest time, and then finally Washington snatched him up. So I think Taylor Heineke is a fine secondary piece, whatever. But yeah, Fitzpatrick for this offense, um, this was the one of the thing I was most worried about was Washington not having a viable starter. And as weird as it sounds, Fitz is that guy. He's the perfect bridge quarterback. We've done this, what's his 10th team now? Ninth team? Something crazy like that? And we've said that for the last eight teams he's played for. <laughs> he's a perfect bridge quarterback. He's he's never going to be the face of the franchise. He's not probably going to lead you to the Super Bowl. But he's also not going to let your team be irrelevant. And that's important. That's definitely important. That's huge for Terry McLaurin. It's great for Antonio Gibson. Uh, probably even good for Logan Thomas. So I think I think we see Washington continue to add some some weapons, but at least for the short term, I don't think we worry about what the quarterback situation is. I think we know that they're going to produce. Yep, for sure. And yeah, so I think it's definitely good news for Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, and you know they join they join the Bears in the you know kind of decision: do they want to invest in a young quarterback in that mid to late first round? I think that with the Fitzpatrick move, they put it off for at least a year. Because we, I, I, I was, you know, I'm excited about Fitzpatrick in Washington, but the one thing about Fitzpatrick when he's expected to be the starter, that's when it kind of goes up into flames and we see bad Fitzpatrick. So, you know, there is the range of outcomes where, you know, they put Fitzpatrick in and then they win like three games. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, that should wrap us up for this edition of the Dice Streetcast, all the signings and news thus far. Last year, the second we stopped recording, the Stephon Diggs came, uh, trade came out. So I'm sure the second we stopped recording, Juju Smith-Schuster will sign with the Dolphins. Yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster will sign, Galladay will sign, OBJ will be traded, and um, Deshaun Watson will be a New York Jet. There we go. We'll talk to you guys next week. Kadoosh!